As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey y'all, Seven Rounds in Heaven is back. We're brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans as a part of the Armchair Media Network. College football is back and life is great. It is I, Rob Paul, the Armchair Scout, a.k.a. a man who has found a replacement for AJ, and it's just myself. Because today, AJ Marchese will not be joining me as my co-host. AJ will be busy prepping for a disappointing Michigan season. Today, I'm going to continue our summer scouting series with the SEC, talk a bit about the prospects who flashed during week zero, and break down the Dylan Moses news. So, let's hit it. And, out of respect for AJ, we will not use the beautiful intro song AJ normally sings, because we will use me. Seven rounds in heaven with my baby, heading to Vegas maybe, gonna draft an Epinesa or a Young. Never draft a kicker, probably trade up for Herbert, or at least Tua, because you need a QB to win in this league, and that's it, that's the song. And football is back. AB is in Oakland, Le'Veon's with the Jets, OBJ and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed though, where I'm placing my bets this season. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick 5 NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and you score score a share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet you win they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Spend up to $1,000 on your first deposit bonus. Double your deposit. Put in $100, my bookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today, mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR when creating your account to claim the bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid, MyBookie. There's some unfortunate NFL draft and college football news that came out this week. Uh, Alabama preseason All-American linebacker, Dylan Moses tore his ACL during practice and will miss the entire 2019 season. Uh, Moses was a stud last year as a true sophomore and basically a consensus top 20 player in the 2020 NFL draft. Considered the best linebacker prospect in the draft. 
Uh, and I don't think it was particularly close. It was kind of him, then Isaiah Simmons, and then a big drop-off. Um, it sucks. And it puts Moses in an interesting situation where he could withdraw from school now and start prepping for the NFL draft. The combine is six months away. The draft itself is eight months away. He would obviously be fully healthy, assuming it's just a torn ACL and there's no further damage. He'd be healthy by training camp in the NFL. So that's one option for him. The other option would be take the red shirt, return for his red shirt junior season next year and prep for the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, it's an interesting situation because if Moses is fully healthy by training camp, he and with the tape he put out as a sophomore, he's clearly got the ability to be a Pro Bowl linebacker in the NFL. We've seen guys like Jalen Smith, uh, ex-Notre Dame linebacker, current Cowboy, who just signed a five-year $64 million extension. We saw a guy like him who had a gruesome knee injury with nerve damage, uh, multiple torn ligaments, and that happened in the Fiesta Bowl right at the end of the season. And he was going to be a top 10, probably top 5 pick. He was that good. He was Patrick Willis 2.0. Uh, and he still ends up going 34th overall in the second round. I know it was Jerry Jones betting on him. And it worked. And Smith missed his whole rookie year. And... Now he's a Pro Bowl level linebacker. So with Moses, if it's just a torn ACL, I don't see why he wouldn't still potentially be a first round pick. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL just this past um, offseason when training for the draft and still the Titans took him in the first round. So the only thing that would really hold you back with considering Moses still a potential first round pick would be if you didn't like his tape and... On tape, he's an explosive, aggressive, high-motor linebacker who diagnoses plays and blows them up. He reminds me a bit of C.J. Mosley, another former Alabama linebacker. So I have a hard time seeing a scenario where Moses would elect to return to school unless the NFL um, draft board committee recommends he does. So it'll be an interesting situation to track. Now Alabama's got, I believe, two true freshman linebackers starting for them. Uh, Maybe the weak spot of the Bama defense this year. So going to be an interesting year following that. All right, before we get into the SEC uh, prospects, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit at week zero. We saw Florida take down Miami 24-20. We saw Hawaii take down Arizona 45-38. Uh, interesting week zero, the Florida-Miami game, a little underwhelming, but saw some impressive defensive uh, defensive talents for both squads, um, particularly Florida's front seven. Jabari Zaniga is an edge who most people know already, and he showed up, uh, but the guy playing opposite him, Jonathan Greenard, he was kind of the out-of-nowhere prospect. Uh, a Louisville transfer transfer who missed all of last year uh, with a wrist injury was really productive in 2017. I believe he had like 15 TFL, seven sacks. Um, and him and Zuniga combined for, I think like five, five TFLs and three sacks against Miami. They were having their way with the Miami offensive line, which is a really young offensive line. Um, and Z- Zuniga is a guy who's likely considered by most a day two pick right now. Um, but Greener really jumped onto the screen. Uh, 
Also, redshirt sophomore linebacker for Florida, Ventrell Miller, he had two wonderfully timed blitzes that resulted in sacks. He was kind of all over the place. I know he got he got trucked on one play, but he still finished the tackle. Just his physicality um, and motor and explosiveness were on display. So that's a, a young linebacker prospect to watch. Uh, Felipe Franks was Felipe Franks. Yeah, he's got a big arm. He's a big quarterback. But there's just... there's. I I don't see an NFL team watching him and thinking that's a guy you can develop, really. He struggled a lot. And another struggler for Florida was C.J. Henderson, the corner, uh, who considered a potential first-round pick. Great movement skills, wonderfully gifted in coverage, does not want to tackle. Uh, D.J. Dallas ran over him on his way to the end zone. Um, that's a worry. Greedy Williams fell to the second round, and a big part of that was his willingness to tackle. And Henderson didn't show any improvements in that first game, so that's something to pay attention to going forward. Moving over to Miami, uh, Trajan Bandy was feisty as hell, uh, their corner. He looks like a future starting nickel in the NFL. Um, Bandy ate up everything underneath him and was just throwing his body, putting it on the line. I was impressed by him. Uh, And the Miami running back, I mentioned DJ Dallas. He had a handful of explosive plays and kind of was the dude carrying that offense with their freshman QB, Jerem Williams, struggling. Um, He had an impressive day. The contact balance and burst were on display. And Jeff Thomas, the Miami receiver who has some hype, uh, kind of disappointing. I know the offense, Danny Nose kept it pretty vanilla with a lot of just dumping it in space, but KJ Osborne was more involved than Thomas. Uh, Thomas also muffed a punt. Uh, just with the kind of off-field lingering questions from last year with Thomas, he's going to need to show up in these big games going forward. Um, I think he is just as talented as T. Higgins at Clemson, and they're kind of in a battle for the best receiver in the ACC that's draft eligible. Shout out Justin Ross. You're probably the best receiver in the ACC, but you're not draft eligible. And then Miami linebacker Shaq Quarterman. It was kind of the same old, same old with him. He is great between the tackles, eating up run plays and thumping, but he struggles in coverage. And he just has a tendency to bite on play action. And Florida took advantage of that multiple times. Uh, In the Hawaii-Arizona game, um, for Arizona, Jace Whitaker had two picks. He's a guy who who is worth paying attention to going forward. Um, He's got some nickel capabilities. uh, Pretty smooth and physical player. Um, But the story was more about Hawaii. Cole McDonald came out and he was slinging in the run and shoot uh his arm talent is is pretty impressive and his movement skills but that guy just doesn't know when not to throw a ball into coverage four picks got benched uh hawaii ultimately won and he made a ton of splash plays but he needs to kind of get it under control he's still just a redshirt junior so he could go back but uh, he really needs to cut down the, the boneheaded decision-making. But receiver Cedric Bird was the kind of the star for them. I, I believe 14 catches for over 200 yards, four scores. Similar in size to John Rusua, their leading receiver from last year, who the Seahawks drafted. Um, more explosiveness, more juice to separate down the field. Not quite the right runner of Rusua, but Bird's a dude to pay attention to as a, a speedy little slot. Um, 
just quickly, this is probably coming out after college football's official week one, but just to throw some games out there to watch, Utah State versus Wake Forest, seeing Jordan Love against a Power 5 schools, uh, important. Um, and of course, Justin Herbert versus Auburn, Oregon-Auburn is the big game of the week, seeing Herbert versus Derek Brown in that Auburn D-line, uh, that Oregon O-line is full of NFL prospects too. So just seeing the trench battle there is going to be huge. Um, uh, Other than that, there's not a ton of mind-blowing games. I mean, Houston-Oklahoma is going to be fun, but Houston doesn't really have, like, Ed Oliver was the dude last year. Nobody quite to that level this year. The Nerd Bowl, though, Northwestern-Stanford, you're going to see some interest. Like, Walker Little's a, a player, obviously, at left tackle for Stanford to pay attention to, and KJ Costello, Kobe Parkinson at tight end, and then seeing the Northwestern linebackers, Blake Gallagher and Patty Fisher. Uh, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, but, I mean, the, the game to get it up for is, is clearly Oregon-Auburn. Uh, Boise State-Florida State, a little low-key. Pay attention to that one. And uh, Notre Dame Louisville, just to see, uh, just to see what 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 Louisville's looking like um, going forward, and seeing that Notre Dame offense uh, with Ian Book having a full year as the starter. Anyway, this show is about the SEC and all the 2020 NFL draft prospects in the SEC. So let's dive on in, starting with the quarterback position, and obviously starting with Tua, the Alabama quarterback. Um, burst onto the scene as a freshman, uh, coming into the second half of the national championship game and leading one of the coolest comebacks I think most of us have ever seen in college football. Uh, and then last year, clearly top top three Heisman guy. Uh, lefty, so that's always interesting. But Tua, it's Tua versus Herbert. That's going to be the story all year. Who's the quarterback one? They're both. It's pretty hard to see that either of them won't go top 10 uh, at this point they're both so gifted I currently have Justin Herbert as my quarterback one and two as QB2 but I get the argument going the other way two is just such a gifted um, pro not his ability to pinpoint uh, with pinpoint accuracy um, his just instincts as a passer it's kind of similar to when Sam Darnold was coming out of USC. Just the instincts are just mind-boggling at times. Uh, when the play breaks down, he can look like Russell Wilson. I mean, there's going to be Steve Young comps out there for the left-handedness. Uh, and no, he's not the biggest quarterback in the world, but I think we're pretty much over that in the NFL draft world. But at 6'1", 218, he's built well. He's thick. Uh the arm talent is there. Um, he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he, he can put some mustard on it. The velocity is strong. The footwork is clean. It's really poised under fire. Tua kind of just, he has everything in terms of athleticism uh, and just instincts as a passer. The thing this year, I think people will be nitpicking about and criticizing his pre and post snap uh, reads, um, he struggled with that against Clemson. Obviously, Clemson handed to them in the national championship game. So, kind of seeing improvements there is going to be key for him to end up the quarterback one or potentially number one overall pick. But just 
he is such a clean, smooth quarterback. I mean, Justin Herbert is too. Herbert, I would give the the uh, the lead in terms of mechanics because Tua's um, throwing motion is a little wonky, but it doesn't affect his release. The release is still quick, and that's all we're looking for, really. Like, I mean, Russell Wilson has a wonky throwing motion. Sam Darnold has a wonky throwing motion, but the the release speed and it doesn't affect the accuracy, so that's kind of that outweighs the wonkiness to the motion. Um, in the right system, two is going to be a stud. Uh, the deep accuracy is impressive. Um, you can just he he's got it all. I mean, Trent Dilfer has been pounding the table for this guy since he was a high school junior. He just got the mental makeup, everything you look for in a franchise QB. It's interesting. Him and Herbert are both more on the quiet side, uh, a la Kyler Murray, not the Baker Mayfield type personalities. And I know, I mean, that was kind of worked against Marcus Mariota for being a quieter guy when he was coming out. Um, so that'll be just an interesting. I think both are, it, it shouldn't affect either of them. Both are smart, strong leaders, um, maybe just not super outspoken, which seems like a positive to me, but hey, uh, the NFL's silly sometimes. Uh, looking at some other quarterbacks, Jake Fromm's clearly the next guy in the SEC at QB. Uh, he's going to be polarizing because some tout him as this top 10 pick on the level, or maybe not on the level of Tua, but like that next guy up. I'm not there with Jake Fromm. I think he's a really smart quarterback, um, really clean accuracy underneath. Doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. Not the greatest decision maker at times. He will pass up the the less open, bigger play for the check down. Uh, it can kind of get frustrating if you're watching wide receivers at Georgia like Riley Ridley last year. We saw that a lot. Um, he's more of the game manager. I don't want to label him that way, but that's kind of what... He, he seems like a it's a bit of Alex Smith to his game in terms of he can operate an offense. I don't think he's to that Alex Smith level even though. Uh, Andy Dalton's a guy he's been compared to. Case Keenum if you're going on the lesser side. But from, Fromm's got to, I think, do a lot to get himself into that first round. He seems more like that second round quarterback you take and you can build a team around him and it can kind of outweigh uh his lack of tools because he's such a smart uh high IQ accurate passer but he needs to become a better decision maker he needs to be able to take those deeper throws and not pass them up for checkdowns i think that will be the biggest thing with Fromm this year Fromm's also known for fantastic leadership um he's going to be a guy NFL scouts love he seems like a guy who would even go back for his senior year uh even if he were to be a first round pick um so that, that's a, a interesting one. There's a big drop-off after those two. I think the most interesting guy might be Riley Neal out of Vanderbilt. Um, he's a Ball State transfer who's 6'5", 224. He's got a big arm. Not not in terms... Like, his velocity, that's what stands out with him. The velocity, he can move a little bit. Decent footwork. Uh is it, and, and sticking him at Vandy, who's got playmakers this year. They've got Keyshawn Vaughn. They've got Jared Pickney. They've got Kalijah Lipscomb. There's players around him. Vandy should have a better offense, but he hasn't won the job, so you never know. Neil might not be the starter. 
Uh, but that's kind of my next guy up. Uh, then there's Jake Bentley, who's been starting at South Carolina forever. Uh, I don't love Bentley. He's probably a guy who ends up at the Senior Bowl, and the NFL will like him more than draft Twitter people like myself. Uh, I think he's got a decent arm, but footwork's sloppy. The accuracy is inconsistent. Uh, a late day three backup is kind of what I see with him. Uh, I find Tennessee quarterback Jarrett Guarantano a little bit interesting. He's like, there's essentially no way we see him come out, but he's he's got a little bit he's a little bit toolsy. Uh, Kellen Mond's a guy that I think, yeah, he's got arm, he he's got mobility, but just the inaccuracy and the decision making is really poor right now with him and the poise under pressure. He needs to take a big leap to be an NFL draft prospect after his junior year. Uh, and then I already spoke on Felipe Franks, a guy who's got physical tools in terms of size and arm strength, but uh, yeah, I just you don't bet on inaccuracy at the quarterback position and lack of poise, and those are his clearly biggest holes. Joe Burrow's like the, I don't know, he's the best QB LSU's had in a while, but he's more of a game manager. Uh, I, I like Joe Burrow. I could see him being... Uh, if he had a decent year, maybe a seventh round UDFA guy who gets on a practice squad. Um, but I'm a long ways away with him. The LSU offense really needs to open up. Jumping to running back, the SEC, unsurprisingly, has talent there. Uh, my top running back in the 2020 NFL draft right now is Georgia's DeAndre Swift. Is Swift to the level of Todd Gurley, the Saquon Barkley's, those generational running backs we always talk about. And there's seems to be one every two, three years. So are they really generational? No, running backs shouldn't be taken in the first round. Doesn't make sense. AJ's not here, so I'm just spitting how I feel. Uh, Swift, though, I think could be to that level uh, now that he's kind of the dude at Georgia. He split time with Elijah Holyfield last year. Holyfield was more of a bruiser. Swift can be physical and runs downhill uh, behind his pads really well. But he was uh, in that system because of what Holyfield brought to the table. Uh, he was kind of the the big playback, and he caught the ball really well the, out of the backfield. The quickness and the burst. He's 5'9", 215, carries his weight well. I was impressed by his vision, the contact balance. He's a very strong all-around back. Obviously, there's pass protection questions. That tends to happen with all college running backs. But th- this is there's like flashes of LT to his game. That's a crazy thing to say. But hey, we all said Saquon Barkley had flashes of Marshall Falk to his game. And look at Saquon now. Swift's a guy who, again, I'm not taking a running back in the first round, but I think Swift is the clear top running back. Swift and Etienne are one and two for me. I have a hard time seeing that changing. They're both just so talented. Um, Swift's instincts, his open field elusiveness. He can run over you, can run around you. He can make you miss. And he can win with his vision. And that's a huge thing for running backs. He's not a guy who has to rely solely on offensive lines opening holes. He can find the holes himself. Um, One of the best senior running backs in the country is at Vanderbilt. His name's Keyshawn Vaughn. He had a huge game last year uh, against, I think it was Auburn, and kind of burst onto the scene. He's an Illinois transfer. Uh, 
the contact balance, the quickness in the hole, um, those are two things that really stand out. And he's just an instinctual runner. I wrote down a D'Angelo Williams comp on him. Vaughn seems like the type of guy you get on day two. He can beat a thousand yard back. Uh, a clear top 10 running back in this class right now. And it's a really strong class. The way I have it right now, I have it Swift. One, Etienne two, Eno Benjamin three, Zach Moss four, Jonathan Taylor five, J.K. Dobbins six, Keyshawn Vaughn seven. And that's kind of like the tier one of running backs for me. Well, I should say tier one and tier two. Etienne and Swift are tier one. The other guys are tier two. One of the guys at the top of tier three, though, LSU running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I know there might be some off-field questions uh, surrounding him, but... Um, if LSU gives him to the the keys to the backfield this year, Nick Brossett's gone. He's uh he was a lot more talented, I thought, than Brossett last year. A short, stocky guy looks a little bit like Devonta Freeman out there. His contact balance and burst in his quickness. I want to see him catch the ball out of the backfield more consistently. I want to see him make guys miss more consistently. But I think that he's got some tools there. I think he can be in a thousand yard rusher at LSU. Um the type of guy day three pick but becomes a very productive running back in the nfl again running backs grow on trees so i uh i'm starting to convince myself you shouldn't even take them on on day two and again aj's not here to stop me from saying these crazy things about running backs but i'm uh i'm uh, i'm not i'm not taking guys like that when i can in the first round when i can get philip Lindsay and drafted okay a couple more running backs Najee harris Obviously a former five-star. He's at Alabama. He's the RB1 there now. I know he just got suspended for the first half versus Duke. But hey, probably not going to affect the team that much. Um, 6'1", 227. Looks a bit like Derrick Henry uh, with the power and the physicality. But the lack of lateral agility, the lack of vision, that scares me off. Um, I don't, I'm one of the biggest Derrick Henry doubters probably and i mean henry yeah he ran for a thousand yards for the titans last season but the vast majority of his yards came in about three game span so hey but with harris i need to see more elusiveness and the vision's the big thing with him the vision and the lateral agility i'm scared to take a running back on the first two days of the draft who might not be more than a short yardage guy with some ability to rip off big runs here and there uh kylan hill's an interesting name to pay attention to joe moorhead as the head coach at mississippi state was the oc for saquon barkley uh quarterback change there as nick fitzgerald who's tight end basically playing qb is gone um hill flashed in multiple games last year i think the Ole miss game and maybe the kansas state game yeah i think those were the two games because that's when dalton reisner and Scott France and Adam Holtorf took on Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat. I was plugged into that one. Uh, but with Hill, you get some contact balance, some burst. Uh, Want to see him more involved in the passing game? They used him a bit here and there. He was not the true RB1 all year last year. Now as a junior, he should see uh, increased snaps. Uh, one other guy I'm really interested to see is Arkansas running back Rakeem Boyd. Uh, junior college guy. Uh, I think he was, Yeah, he was on last chance U. Uh, I think season season two um, burst onto the scene at Arkansas. Uh, the guy's got big playability. He's got big. Uh, he's got NFL ability in terms of quickness. Um, 
his burst is impressive. He's uh, got some elusiveness in the open field. Want to see more vision from him. But as a rotational big play back, could see him getting drafted on day three. Uh, a couple more names to throw out there. Scotty Phillips, Ty Chandler, uh, Booby Whitlow. There's a lot of running backs in the SEC that are interesting. Brian Robinson, Ty Chandler at Tennessee. Bunch of names. Let's move over to wide receiver. I mean, it's a stacked class. Everybody knows it. We've already talked about C.E. Lamb on this pod. We've talked about LaVisca Chanel. We've talked about Jalen Rieger. We've talked about Tyler Johnson. We've talked about uh, T. Higgins. We've talked about Colin Johnson. We've talked about a lot of guys. But the number one wide receiver in this class, no doubt about it, Jerry Judy from Alabama. Everyone knows it. He won the Bolitnikoff as a true sophomore last year. He was Tua's go-to guy. Big playability. Just magnificent yak ability i don't know that i've seen a receiver as good after the catch at making guys miss and stopping on a on a dime as jerry judy the hands the yak the route running he can do basically everything i have no worries he is on the overall big board right now i have a hard time seeing anybody having him outside of the top five and even the top three he's the number two player on my big board and I have an Odell Beckham Jr. comp written down. That's who he looks like to me. Just with his ability to both stretch the field, the ability to take that slant and break it for a 60-yard touchdown. That's a rare ability. That's a Jerry Rice, Odell Beckham thing. Those are the two guys who come to mind when you think about that. And I think Judy is going to be a all-pro type receiver. Um, especially if he continues to develop. I... If you were to really look for a flaw, maybe playing a little better through traffic, but like I'm not even worried about that. He's a complete stud. He's, he's the best receiver I've scouted. Um, and then his Alabama teammate, Henry Ruggs, second best receiver in the SEC and another top five receiver in this class. Ruggs has insane speed. He might run sub 4-3 at the NFL Combine. He's a... Uh, borderline elite route runner him and judy are incredible with a release game uh rugs also great after the catch with him you just kind of he's six foot 190 so he's a little skinny i'm not too worried about that but you just want to see him win more contested catches um and play a little stronger through contact there's concentration drops here or there with him but they're like sometimes he looks like stefan diggs he's freaky fast those two are likely going to be... Judy's going to be a top 10 pick, I think. Ruggs looks like he's going to be a top 25 pick, at least. This wide receiver class is insane. I would not fault anybody for having them, the Alabama duo as your number one and number two receivers in this class. Uh, after them, it, it gets pretty interesting. Brian Edwards at South Carolina. Um, he kind of was overshadowed by Debo Samuel last year, but... He's a guy, big body guy, who is incredible in contested catch situations. Uh, really strong hands. Worry with him is ability to separate. How athletic is he really? Not the greatest route runner in the world. Doesn't have the most nuanced release game. But the big playability to win 50-50 balls, Michael Crabtree-esque. You could see him sneaking in today, too. I mean, it's a really tough wide receiver class, but he's got the talent to be that type of guy um i'm also very interested in uh 
Kalijah Lipscomb from Vanderbilt. Now, he is kind of under the radar. I think with him, it's more about not a lot of people have watched him yet. Uh, as they get there, they'll, they'll kind of move him up the board. He's a six foot, 200 pound senior, uh, slot type in the NFL, clean route runner, and I think he's getting better. There's going to be athleticism questions. He can win underneath, but can he win deep? Uh, he's a. He's a guy who's not going to be able to rely on athleticism to separate. He needs to rely on route running. Um, I wrote down an Adam Humphreys comp with him. Just that decent build. Not, not one of those tiny slots, but a six-foot flat slot type. I like him. Um, Kadarius Tony's really interesting at Florida, who in week zero had a 66, took a 66-yard uh, screen to the house, and he looked like Percy Harvin on the play. But the issue there is Florida only gets him the ball on these gadget plays or manufactured touches is he a real wide receiver we had that conversation about paris campbell last year but even with with tony he's featured even less than campbell uh by far like tony gets three four touches maybe a game so seeing his role just expand overall just his yak ability and his athleticism are so clear um, he needs to improve his hands and his route running. I, I want to see them ask him to run routes, really. Uh, the other um, Alabama receiver, Devonta Smith, is actually interesting, too. He's a dude who brings uh, decent size at six foot, but he's, he's pretty real thin, 175. He's got the athleticism to separate, decent route runner. He's a, a day three guy, definitely, to pay attention to. Um, the issue there is they also have Jalen Waddle who's not draft eligible, but looks like a future first round pick. So those four receivers at Alabama Smith, the, the kind of the odd man out in terms of getting them touches. So seeing how involved he is this year, uh, Lynn Bowden's the, the, the group of interesting guys for me in the sec are Lynn Bowden at Kentucky, Kendrick Rogers at Texas A&M, Marcus Callaway at Tennessee Bowden's kind of that, slot return man do it all they they let him throw passes sometimes uh just got athleticism to separate and uh physicality after the catch kendrick rogers is a guy who if you watch the lsu game a texan lsu game last year he made and, and the clemson game i believe uh he made some of the most incredible big time catches but other games he just disappeared love his catch radius though and then callaway he's a guy who He's, I think he's listed at only six, six one, six two, um, but the the ability to win contested catches, he plays much bigger than that. Uh, Want to see him more expanding that route running though. Uh, jumping to tight end, the SEC actually has two two guys who everybody knows Alberto from Missouri, um, but Jared Pinkney I think is the dude at uh, tight end in the SEC from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt loaded this year. Uh, he's currently my tight end one. It's a it's a really tight class. Pinckney, Calcaterra, Parkinson, Hopkins, Hunter Bryant, Albert O, Matt Bushman, uh, Jake Ferguson at Wisconsin, Mitchell Wilcox. Those guys are all kind of grouped very closely for me right now. I got Pink, Pinckney as my one. Uh, with him, I love his catch radius. I love his athleticism. I think he can he can win uh, deep. I think. Uh, he's got a willingness to block, which is huge. Uh, a lot of these tight ends can't block very well or aren't asked to. P- 
Pickney needs to improve as a blocker, but just willingness is half the battle. Uh, and he's decent hands. I, I think he could be... No, Nobody's blowing me away in this class. I don't think any of these guys are anywhere near first-round guys right now. But uh, Pickney, like a Ben Watson-type tight end, I, I think he's very interesting. Um, jumping to Albert O, with him, it's just... You love the size, and, and he makes some big plays, but the route running's really raw. How much of it was the Missouri scheme? Let's see how he does with Kelly Bryant at QB instead of Drew Locke. Um, he just didn't have to work himself open very frequently, so seeing him be able to do that. Uh, and lastly, at tight end um, in the SEC, Cheyenne O'Grady at Arkansas. He's got really strong hands. I don't think he's a very good route runner or, or athlete, but just a name to watch, see how much they use him. Uh, they just named Ben Hicks, the SMU quarterback, the transfer. So just a dude to pay attention to. Uh, the offensive line's pretty loaded in the SEC. I mean, every position really is. It's the SEC. It just means more. Uh, Georgia left tackle Andrew Thomas, though. Uh, you're going to have a hard time convincing me he's not going to be a top 10 pick. 6'5", 320, physical run blocker, a monster with his leverage, finishes ev- every time, finishes on the finishes defenders into the dirt, Um just you gotta love his his power at the point of attack and then in pass pro he's he's raw but the footwork is there the foot quickness um it's pretty clean again he sits well in his stance uh the anchor is really strong the lower body uh power shows up there um in in his ability to re-anchor uh the only thing i I just want to see him take another step as a as a junior um but I wrote down a Dwayne Brown comp for him. I think like this is a franchise left tackle. To me, the tackle class uh, right now, it's Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas are the first-round types, and it's pretty wide open after that. One of those guys, though, that's uh, got a chance to join them is Prince Tigo Wanago, the Auburn left tackle. 6'6", 305. Caught my eye last year. Um... I just love the athleticism. I think he's he's very raw, but the footwork's really clean and quick, and just the athleticism and ability to move, get to the second level. If they ask him to pull, he gets he he moves like a tight end. Uh, I want to see with him. He needs to play with better leverage. He plays a little bit high. He needs to use his length and hands more, and he needs to get stronger. Um, he's six six three oh five. He, he, like, I don't want him to sacrifice athleticism for strength, but he does need to get stronger in, in his anchor. And I'd like to see him finish more frequently. And it's interesting. The tackle opposite him at Auburn uh, is Jack Driscoll. 6'5", 296, just a mean mugger, a mean SOB, really strong hands, powerful at the point, um, uh, gonna give it to you he might kick into guard in the nfl that's an interesting uh thing that could happen depending on his length he's six five but uh the athleticism and length make, might make him a guard he reminds me of actually former auburn guard turned Colts starting right tackle braden smith with the uh, just he knows how to play offensive line he's not gonna wow you for his athleticism He's not going to wow you for being just this freaky creation, but 
he technically sound and just wants to be out there putting people in the dirt. Uh, after that, the other Georgia tackle is a guy I didn't really know a ton about, and I, I threw him on. His name's Isaiah Wilson. He's 6'6", 340. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's quite young. And just a, a fucking monster in the run game when he wants to be. And finisher. And the the footwork is a huge question. It is not clean. It He's not a great athlete. But I could see this guy either with some development or kicking him inside. And you're getting a mauling guard. So that's... I, I, I'm really interested in the Georgia offense line. It's young, but so, so talented. Uh, jumping, jumping to the interior of the offensive line now. Now, last year, Alex Leatherwood was playing guard for Alabama. He's likely their starting left tackle this year. I kept him grouped with the interior offensive line just because that's the tape I saw on him. He's playing guard against Mississippi State, Georgia, Georgia and Auburn. Uh, with Leatherwood, 6'5", 3'10", he looks like he should be playing tackle. The athleticism is so clear as a guard uh, that he he is best fit to be a a left tackle with the footwork, the quickness. Uh, With him, though, I want to see more want to finish. He doesn't, he's not the most aggressive player. He's more of a finesse guy. That's hence the the idea of him being more of a tackle, looking like more of a tackle. Um, But he's just all the potential in the world to be a first round player. Really excited to see him be uh, at tackle this season. Uh, the best center in the SEC is at LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry. It's going to be a really strong center class, by the way. Uh, obviously, Tyler Beatties, Creed Humphrey, uh, Cesar Ruiz at Michigan, uh, and then Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, he's a very smooth mover, great in sh- great short area quickness, going to be perfect for a zone scheme. Um Needs to be play with better leverage and get stronger with his anchor, but he gets on people in the run game to the second level with that athleticism. Rodney Huston-esque. Uh, and another guy who might be moving to center, I believe, for Mississippi State. He played guard last year, Daryl Williams. Um, he is... Every, had he come out, he would have potentially been, I think, a late day two pick, early day three. Uh, just a dude in the run game. Um, one of the best finishing offensive linemen in the country. As mean of an SOB as you get it in the trenches. Coaches will love that. Decent athlete, too. Not the biggest guy, though. 6'2", 310. Uh, kind of struggles in pass protection at times because of uh, inconsistent footwork. Can get a little bit high in pass protection, too. Um, can struggle with power because of his lack of size. But... The tools are there to get a really impressive run-blocking uh, player in a zone or power scheme, for that matter. Um, and then there's Trey Smith at Tennessee, a guy who's playing left tackle. I believe played guard as a freshman, played left tackle as a sophomore. He's His medicals are a big question because he's dealt with blood clots. Um, and he's currently, I'm not sure if he's back for sure, but uh, that'll be a huge thing in his evaluation. But 6'5", 321. Former five-star, I think. Uh, And a guy who uses that power, that size and that power to dominate people in the run game. I think he's a guard in the NFL. I don't think he has the athleticism nor the footwork um, to play left tackle. 
or tackle in general, left tackle and right tackle are just as important in today's game. Uh, Colaccio Semele-esque. I'm going to write that one down because that, that was uh, on the fly. Um, just in terms of his ability to be a, a mauler in the run game and use those uh, use his power um, and finish. But athleticism questions, wouldn't want to play him in a zone scheme. I don't think the short area quickness is there. But a one-on-one power situation, this dude can pummel people. Um, quickly, the Kentucky offensive line duo, interior offensive line duo of Logan Stenberg and Drake Jackson. Stenberg's got size. He's got power. He's really physical in the run game. Another guy who I think is a good fit for the power scheme, just not a very good athlete, not very clean footwork, going to struggle in pass protection. Um, and then uh, Drake Jackson, the center, he's a guy who's really clean, Overall, not a, not not gonna wow you with athleticism. Not a dominant run blocker. Not a dominant pass protector. But the tools are there to kind of find a, a day three center. Um, forgot about Georgia's guard Solomon Kinley, a redshirt junior, a thick dude. Uh, not the best uh, athlete. A lot of these guys feel more. They're clearly one way or the other. They're either power scheme or zone scheme. Kinley's a power scheme type. Um, would like to see improved footwork and in, in more uh, getting to the second level in the run game this year. But a, as a straight-up power blocker, big fan. You know what else I'm a big fan of? Blue Chew. Remember the days when you were always ready to go, guys? Want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue True is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue True prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again. That's bluechew.com, promo code armchair, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And back to SEC Talk. Jump to the defensive line. We'll start on the interior where they're just chock full of talent. My current number one and number two interior defensive linemen in the 2020 class are from the SEC. My number one guy is Derek Brown at Auburn who apparently has 83-inch arms. So, this dude's wingspan is whack. Uh, He's 6'4", 320. Impressive leverage and power, big-time motor. Uh, He's kind of like the perfect, versatile interior defensive lineman. Looks a lot like Akeem Hicks of the Bears. He can win as a pass rusher with power. He can win with multiple pass rush moves and counter moves. Uh, I want to see a little more nuance to his hand use instead of... He, he's kind of a lot of the, the the pass rushers in college football have about three three go-to moves he loves that bull rush 
Uh, he can pull the the uh, what am I looking for? The uh, swipe club, and I I just like to see maybe a couple more moves from him. But he's gonna be a first round pick. I have a hard time understanding how people aren't there with him. He took over games last year. I thought there was a huge jump from 2017 tape to 2018 tape. And 2019, seeing this guy play Oregon's offensive line is going to be great. Uh, the other defensive lineman who's number two for me is Raekwon Davis. He is, with Brown, I think you more know what you're getting. With Davis, the upside. 6'6", 309, really strong hand, use, uses that length, uh, explosive um and has a big motor and can can hold up and anchor down against the run. It's just the inconsistent plays for him. He can he plays a little too high at times and that can instantly lose him on a snap. Uh, I want to see more more athleticism in his pass rush because you know it's there. But both those guys look like they could be Pro Bowl players in the NFL. And then kind of the next two dudes are Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, six five three zero two. His athleticism stands out and his motor stands out and he he he's a guy who he got to play a little with better leverage you want to see him evolve as a pass rusher instead of just relying on speed and power um you want to see him use those hands more frequently and then Richard Lawrence at LSU who is really strong with his hands but maybe not the greatest athlete in the world uh I worry about some explosiveness with him but he, he can really anchor down against the run. I, he's not the biggest dude, 6'2", 317, but I think he's a nice fit as a, a undersized one-tech, a Larry Joby, if you will. Um, after them, there's two young guys to pay attention to. Uh, the first one is Justin Madubuki, I believe is how you say it, from Texas A&M, 6'2", 304, Richard Jr. He's athletic, he's got power, he can win with leverage, like his motor, but... He can get washed in the run game at times. He needs to learn to use his hands. His hands are the biggest issue. Uh, and if he learns to use them, he can unlock a lot. He's a former five-star, I believe. And then LeBron Ray at Alabama, a true junior, 6'4", 285, fits that five-tech rule really well. Just need to see him play more. Again, hand use with these young guys is the biggest thing that will help them uh, jump off the screen. Uh Moving to uh, quickly before we go fully into edge, Nick Coe at Auburn. He's a bit of a tweener. They use him all over. It, he's I think listen six five two ninety one. Um, seeing him kind of find that true home this year is going to be big. I like his power. I like his length. Decent athlete. Like his motor. I'm not there on him with some people as a first round type. Right now, I think he looks like an early day three guy who's got potential but you need to find a home and kind of unlock what he really is uh moving to edge there's a bunch of dudes uh my top guy is Anthony Jennings at Alabama he's really safe 6'2 265 not a wow athlete but very strong heavy violent hands uh multiple pass rush moves doesn't have bent so he's not going to win with explosive speed rushes but he can win with power he can, he can combo move you to death. He's more going to be like, I don't see him unlocking double-digit sack ability, but being an eight-sack guy who defends the run at a really high level, disrupts uh, passing lanes with uh, pass breakups. He did that a lot at Alabama last year. Uh, so he's currently my one. My number two, and it's close, is Jabari Zaniga, 6'3", 260 at Florida. 
a guy who can Florida kicked inside on passing downs last year, and he can win inside thanks to his impressive leverage and his powerful uh, hands. Um, I don't know how athletic he is in the bend is another question with him. But both those guys are going to be maybe not double-digit sack guys, but they're just ability is run defenders. Their power and ability to set the edge, and they play with high motors. Um, it, it really stands out. The dude who could be the dude of the class, those cli- – I don't know if this is how you say his name. I'll be honest. LSU edge rusher Clavon Chizan, uh, 6'3", 238. So he's instantly tiny. Um but just the explosiveness, the speed, his bend. You love his motor. He doesn't know how to use his hands right now. He's not a very powerful run defender. He's going to get washed in the run. But as a situational pass rusher at LSU, the dude was a freak. You love his athleticism. 3-4 uh, outside type, likely. Just if he can unlock it all this year, and he needs to be healthy. He missed most of 2018. But he is a really impressive athlete with the highest ceiling of this group. Uh, and then a, a senior is Tennessee's Drell Taylor, who could have a Josh Allen type of rise. He's a guy who a lot of people liked. He went back to Tennessee. Uh, he's got bend. He's got explosiveness off get off. Uh, he his speed rush, his rip and dip. Love him uh, as a pass rusher. Love his motor. He needs to get better as a run defender and. Um, add more to the arsenal with his hands because if he if he gets stopped from that speed rush a lot of the time it's game over he needs to learn how to counter inside and then another interesting guy kind of like chase on is Trell lewis who missed he's basically missed most of his career at alabama so that's a big red flag but all the tools are there to be an impressive nfl player quickly to linebacker dylan moses i already touched on at the top of the show he's gonna miss the year but i the tools if, if he's healthy, I don't see if why he couldn't still be a first-round pick. Uh, with Moses out, the best linebacker who should be playing the SEC this year will be Jacob Phillips at LSU, taking over the Devin White role. His explosiveness and range and aggressiveness are big pluses. Need to see more consistent tackling. He can get over-aggressive and miss. The instincts, there's questions there. He, he hits everything that moves, but sometimes he... he plays himself out of the right spot. Uh, I like his his movement skills and coverage. I think there's potential there. He also needs to improve getting off blocks, stack and shed. Uh, but he's a guy who's going to put up huge numbers as the Devin White of that defense. And then uh, Monty Rice at Georgia, a true junior, 6'1", 235, one of the best tacklers in the country. The dude doesn't miss. He's ultra-aggressive. Um, I worry about his range. And his coverage ability, I like his instincts, though. He's a young player, so he's a bit of an unknown still. I think he's got the skill set to be an, uh, an interesting Mike linebacker in the NFL. Want to see him get off blocks more frequently, too. He's physical and aggressive when engaging, but he can struggle to stack and shed. Um, after that, the, the guy I like most is Daniel Batuli at Tennessee. 6'2", 243, great tackler, athleticism questions, uh, like his motor and aggressiveness. He's pretty good at getting off blocks, but I think he can get exposed in coverage. 
other than that, it's kind of uh, like David Reese, Michael Divinity, Dejon Harris, Leo Lewis, TJ Bronson. It's a bunch of guys who are going to put up tackle numbers and they're physical and they play hard, but they just don't have the athleticism to make the, the leap to the NFL, I don't think. Uh, talking corners now, CJ Henderson at Florida is the number. Uh, he's currently, I have him above Christian Fulton. It's really close. I gave Henderson the knob because of his length and his ability in both man and zone. Um, I think his, his fluidity is wonderful. His range, his speed. Uh, he can kind of fit any system. But I talked about it at the top of the show. He is not going to want to tackle anyone. So that's the big red flag with him right now. If he can step that up, I don't see how he doesn't become a top 25 pick. With Fulton, he's going to be a great man coverage guy. I, I think... His footwork is some of the best in the country. Uh, his man turn is wonderful. He he can get his hands on you and press and, and do a good job. He's not a great tackler, but it's he's not allergic to tackling. Um, he like Darius Slay. That's a lot of who he reminds me of, and that's a big time comp. Uh, then the I'm not as high on this guy as some people. Stephon Diggs' brother, Trevon Diggs, at Alabama. He missed a lot last year. He's got all the. All the tools and the athleticism and the size, 6'1", 200, great ball skills, former wide receiver, great hips, not a willing tackler right now, struggles with aggressiveness and press. I, I think he's still learning the position. I, I, I He can kind of lose lose uh, receivers in man coverage at times. I like him better as a, a big zone guy, uh, but again, it'd be an off zone guy. Um, I He could make a huge leap this year. He just needs to play more. haven't seen enough of him right now uh javaris davis at auburn is a guy i think projects well as a nickel in the nfl very smooth hips feet good athlete willing tackler uh a man nickel uh and then cam dantzler if you just want a dude who doesn't really give a damn uh about his body because he's willing to put it on the line every time he gets the run that's cam dantzler physical Going to sniff his way into the backfield and make plays as a, a run-defending corner. 6'1", 185. Like his potential as a press man guy. And Eric Stokes at Georgia is another young guy to pay attention to. Richard, sophomore, six foot 185. I like him in press man as well. Uh, need to see him play more. He's so young. Then, finally, safeties. The number one player on my big board is a safety from the SEC. His name's Grant Delpit. A Derwin James-level safety. 6'2", 203 can match up with tight ends, can match up with running backs, can play deep zone, too deep, can play single high, has insane instincts and ball skills, constantly make plays on the ball, explosive coming up, uh, clean moving back with his footwork, great fluidity, you can put him in any role, really clean tackler, aggressive safety, total package, he's going to draw comparisons to Derwin James, I think he's different, but I get that uh, he's going to probably draw comparisons to Sean Taylor even just for the size, the physicality, the athleticism, the there's no hole in his game. Del Pitt and Judy are the two guys I think have all probability from this class right now. Uh, my number two safety in the SEC is a top five safety in general. Xavier McKinney. He's the guy who last year really came out of nowhere uh, at safety for them. Really clean in both man and zone can match up with tight ends. Can, can play deep, um, can come down and play a little nickel if he has to. Ball skills are great. 
Would like to see him clean up his footwork and play more aggressive football in general as well. But I think decent athlete and just really technically sound is if, if he can get his foot speed quicker and just play more aggressive football. I uh, I like I like where he's headed. In that kind of like Eddie Jackson type of safety role for Alabama, but he can also play that Minka Fitzpatrick role where he's coming down more frequently as that big nickel. Um, who else? J.R. Reed at Georgia. He kind of struggled as a, as a junior. He's back for his senior year, but he's a great tackler and really aggressive. Uh, his, his questions will come with athleticism and coverage ability. Hips are a bit tight. Footwork's a little wonky. A sleeper is Brad Stewart at Florida, a guy who... He jumped off the screen to me when I was watching him against LSU. He had a pick six. He was flying all over the field, sticking his nose in everything. Over aggressive at times leads to him missing tackles. Uh, like his size, six foot two hundred, can come down and play nickel, match up with tight ends. Uh, and then Richard LeCount at Georgia is another guy who's got high upside. Uh, true junior, 5'10", 190. More of a deep safety coverage type. Love his range. Don't love his tackling. Uh Stewart and LeCount can both shoot up the board, I think. Um, J.R. Reed, kind of you know what you're getting. Delpit's the stud. McKinney's a, maybe a late first-round pick, potentially. But right now, I see him more as a, a early to mid-day two guy who's just a plug-and-play safety. Uh, okay, to end the show, the best offensive player. I mean, I already gushed about him. Jerry Judy. He, he's... I think he's going to instantly plug into any system in the NFL and be your wide receiver one, change a passing game, uh, transcend quarterback play, and be a thousand-yard receiver consistently. Best defensive prospect, Grant Delpit. I hope he goes to a system that's willing to play him all over like Gus Bradley does with Derwin James and the Chargers. Um, just I think that's the best way to utilize a dude like that who can just do everything you want. Um, finally, uh, I'm picking Alabama over Georgia to win the SEC, but I think both make the college football playoff. And the city of the week, Nashville, Tennessee. I talked to a bunch of Vanderbilt football prospects. I, hey, that offense is going to be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, what's better than country music lots? But Nashville seems like a good time. Uh, I think College Station's also in the conversation here. And uh, Baton Rouge, because long live Louisiana. And thank you and goodbye.